0: Welcome to Trust the Journey. I'm Melanie Curtis. Our mission is to live, last, love, and learn together with you. We're here to create conscious connections, to grow and contribute through our practice of openness, honesty, vulnerability, humility, and trust. Trusting the entire journey. Across the internet, our family, our family handle is trustthejourney.today. We're on Instagram, that's our website. If you want to support the podcast, you can subscribe on YouTube, you can follow us on Spotify, five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts go a long way. Of course, you can share a show with someone directly if you think it will help them. Leave us a comment. Of course, you can also support us financially by joining our Trust the Journey family on Patreon. Just go to the website, trustthejourney.today, and any donation will get you in there. And it gets you into our private Facebook community where we hold really safe space to support each other and learn and grow together more intimately. If you want to reach me individually, my website is MelanieCurtis.com. And my podcast partner, his, his website is JasonMiladsky.com. In this episode, though, I am beyond thrilled to bring you the bell. Yes. From, I'm going to read her bio. I know, i so you're here. I'm going to read your bio and torture you for a little minute while you, while you have to hear about yourself. All right. From New York to Costa Rica to Singapore, India, and Bali, the best-selling book, Angels, Herpes, and Psychedelics, follows Beth's awakening journey to transcend the mind to expanded states of consciousness and the embodiment of the bliss of divine oneness. A rising sales star turned marketing executive, Beth Bell spent more than 15 plus years leading strategic brand planning and more for the pharmaceutical industry. But somewhere between the C-suite level meetings and marketplace assessments, Beth began listening more closely to the world around her and within her. What she heard led her eventually to ditch her corporate life to pursue her life's purpose of, quote, pollinating the planet of love. As her inward journey deepened, Beth became known as the, quote, flower whisperer and forged new paths, first as an entrepreneur designing silver jewelry in Bali, and then as a radio and TV show host and author. Additionally, she's a multidimensional advisor for CEOs and psychedelic pharmaceutical companies. Beth currently lives in America with your resty dog, Lily. Beth's awakening memoir serves as an instructive tale for those looking for self-love, inner peace, and deeper meaning. Beth, Welcome. Yay. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here and I can't wait to see what comes through. Oh, I'm so thrilled. I'm so, so thrilled you're here. I want to first just give people a heads up that we met at the recent Psychedelic Science Conference in Denver. And I, I believe it was a sit for service dinner where we sat next to each other and sort of were fast, fast friends, connected pretty quickly. And I appreciated your sharing and was, of course, interested in your book and all of that. But before we dive in, I mean, how are you feeling? What What's there for you right now today? I mean, what's, what's up first as you enter into this space?
1: Yeah, well, I, I want to comment that, you know, there's never any coincidences, right? And we did sit next to each other and it was just like soul sister, soul sister. And we knew that this was going to be inevitable that we got together, you know, not only on this podcast, but probably who knows what else will come in the future. Um, Yeah, today, you know, it's such an an interesting time how these alignments happen. And, you know, I believe I'm here as an awakening agent. I believe you're here as an awakening agent. And we are aligning now. And every day that we align, our light gets brighter. And I love that. And I love to feel the community and the connection that we have with one another and how the universe so eloquently just sits us next to each other at dinner You know, it happened to be the Psychedelic Science Conference. So, of course, a lot of us enlightened folks are there shining our lights brightly. But it was wonderful to, yeah, to have that connection and to be in connection today and then be in connection with all of your listeners and for all of us to be together in this moment of now, even if it's on replay, it's like
0: we're still connected. Absolutely. And, you know, it's funny. I I definitely want to talk about your book. And, you know, our space is a space for really true, vulnerable sharing. I literally, right before this recording, finished listening to your book on Audible. And uh, it's like 15 minutes before our interview because it's it's such a rich read. But the title, Angels, Herpes and Psychedelics, that's a powerful title, you know, and it's a broad question, but tell us about this title. Like, What was the motivation behind this title? Yeah, I mean,
1: I have to give 100% credit to my higher self on that one. I like to say spirit, um, because it was really clear, angels, herpes, and psychedelics. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. You know, like, really? Like, <laughs> I'm supposed to put this on a book? And then, of course, the universe tested my commitment to that title, because my publisher didn't want me to say that. You know, my parents were like, are you sure about that? You know, people that That's were hard. close to me that love me are like, are you sure? Um but I just knew deep within my soul. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, I've learned over the journey and I'm still, you know, we continue to practice and get bigger and bigger opportunities to practice, but trusting when we don't really know why, and we don't really know, you know, we just, we have that feeling and and trusting the feeling when everybody else around us and our external world and all the, you know, thought constructs that surround us might tell us something else because, Oh, don't stand out. Don't, you know, don't be vulnerable. And so, um, if the question was like, "Why the title?" I'll I'll try to say that somewhat quickly because I know we'll get into a lot of details. Yeah. But angels have just been such an amazing thing for me—celestial angels, but also terrestrial angels. So, what I've learned through my life is that everyone's an angel, even yeah. the devil, right? So, they're people that come into our life that help us to learn something, to help us awaken you know, at a greater level, to learn a concept, to let go of a concept. So I just want people to know that they're never alone in the universe here, that they're always surrounded by either their, their guides, which can be angels, um, or their, their own people that they've attracted into their life. So that's why angels is on there. Herpes is on there because I tell a very vulnerable story, as you know from reading the book, Wong, about Wong. herpes and how it impacted my life. And I have to tell you that the first version of the book, I actually didn't say whether or not I had herpes, like whether I was positive or not. So that's a little book spoiler there. Um, But Spirit said through COVID, everyone understands virus shame and we Mm -hmm. need to blow this up. And I'm like, yes, we do. So I went back into the book and wrote a lot more details about my journey and what happened to me and and all of those things so so there is a herpes story it does pay off it's not just there for sensationalization but it's also there because everything is a virus of the mind everything and so it seemed like it was to go beyond that and it was also to help blow up trauma whether Mm -hmm. it's a big t little t it happened in your childhood it happened as an adult Whenever, wherever that is, it's like really digging into the depths of of one's own trauma. So that's one of the inspirations that I have for the book is that it really helps people want to dig deeper into their own stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, And psychedelics, I'm here to help shift the narrative around psychedelics. I have always been super anti-drugs, not even cannabis, um, maybe occasional alcohol use but drugs were a no go. You know, I grew up in the seventies. I saw my brain as the egg in the frying pan and (laughs) like, you know, drugs were not, not something I was into. So it's interesting that I come from big pharma, that I'm now in this more spiritual awakening realm and that I'm, you know, a psychedelics and a herpes spokesperson, right? Like who knew? So, so that's the, the short version of why those three words on the cover, um, and in some ways, they do fit together because it is all about unraveling the mind to unveil yeah. illusions, which is the subtitle of the book.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. You know, the the concept of virus shame is huge, is huge. Like for me personally, I, I also have herpes. I've had it since I was 20 years old. And so it's been this really interesting experience over time to battle with that shame, that societal judgment and that fear of rejection you mentioned in the book, feeling petrified when you had to tell a partner. And so, oh my goodness. I mean obviously law jocked, you know. yeah, Yeah. It's it's a terrifying experience. That's that was my experience anyway, because of all that judgment and weight that's on on that that perception of what that is. But it's it's also connected deeply to our desire to be loved and accepted and and sexually desired there's so much there it's a very powerful experience i bring this up because i think this is going to be so valuable to talk about for people for people listening because so many people have this and i know that so many people are struggling with the shame around it as well so over the course of the years I've shared with a number of people privately, as part of my own healing, but also as part of hopefully being in service to them. So that's something. When we sat down at that table next to each other, I was like, "Fuck yeah, girl, go you!" For really helping people feel supported and heal that shame. It's really, really wonderful. But I, the last thing I'll share, and then I'll invite you to to respond, is this notion of feeling petrified. And for me, it's been this really powerful, beautiful, rigorous experience of cultivating true self-acceptance and self-love and getting very, very masterful to speak and to show up through the fire of fear. So I would love your thoughts on this.
1: Yes. I mean, I think there's a lot of steps to this, but the first step is to really own it in the sense that you're not going to let it take you down and make you feel less than, damaged goods, you know, all the things that that one feels when they get diagnosed with this. Yep. But the other thing is, is once you even get through that, then you have to get through the idea that all of society thinks that this should be a secret, right? Right. So even if you've mastered it and you feel good about you, it's like, but don't talk about it because it makes everyone (laughs) uncomfortable. And so- What I found fascinating, you know, and one of the other things that happened was I, I had called my parents and and they were had they had some guests sober. and so you know they had to say the word herpes because we were talking about the book, right? And it's so funny to hear my parents like having to say herpes. And one of my yep. friends said, I've never said herpes so many times in my life. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, the more we can say it, you know, appropriately, I'm not saying we have to yes. shout it off, you know, at the mountaintops, but of course, we can just show that this doesn't need to be a secret. In fact, I should look it up on the Stephen Hawkins scale to see what, you know, what a secret, what the vibration of a secret holds, right? Because it keeps us in a lower vibration. When yep. we feel like we can't be our authentic self, which is what you do on this podcast that is so wonderful mm-hmm. as you get into that vulnerable space. Yeah. And we know that's where we connect when we see things that, that we we can join with our brothers and sisters on as opposed to try to make ourselves separate from. <laughs> and so that's also, I think, one of the things that herpes is here to help us do is we got to get over, you know, we saw it in the Bible you know, the lepers. Right. And that's yep. what a lot of people feel with herpes is you feel like an outcast. And so back to the the COVID thing and not to get into COVID really specifically, but when early on people had COVID, I heard a lot of people say, don't tell anybody. I have it. don't tell anybody. I'm like, right. why wouldn't I, why, why wouldn't you right. want to tell someone? Like you're, if you had, if you had the flu and you were sick in bed, you would love for someone to bring you chicken soup and love you and care for you. And, and so it was like, oh, okay, I get it. They get now what virus shame is because people were saying, oh, well, you didn't wear your mask or you didn't, yep. right? So so all of that culminated into the perfect time to say, even someone who doesn't have herpes will understand what it feels like to, to experience virus shame. Or And for the people who haven't had herpes, but had a situation where they had a partner that exposed themselves and said, I have herpes, some people got ghosted, you know, some, yep. some, and these people are also holding trauma. The ones without herpes that Wine ghosted hope. someone that they did actually care for or were interested in, but didn't yep. have the emotional, um, intelligence or the skill set or the toolbox to just have the conversation of their uncomfortable feelings. Right. So Absolutely. it's all about getting the uncomfortable stuff out
0: so Absolutely. that we can let more love in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Uh oh. It's, it's fascinating. And I say that because it's been a lifelong journey for me to heal around even relating to it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I was definitely in the camp of I can't even say the word out loud. You know, like I had to, I had to have a script that I had to practice out loud. I had to like, really, that there were a lot of steps to figuring out because I was very committed at a certain point in my, my growth, I was committed that I am not going to, ever engage sexually with a person without telling them. And so as a 20-something, like right, I've been married and divorced and I've been dating. Like I've done this many times. It's not that I've had sex with all those people, but I've had many conversations about this with different people at different varying levels of trust. And yeah, I bet you a million bucks I was ghosted a few times because of it. But the vast majority of times and I, I want to say this too so that people can hopefully learn from my experience, the vast majority of the experiences, people met me with gentleness and love and did not actually leave. So I want people to understand that that's also a real and true reality is that a lot of times, at least in my experience, I've been met with love.
1: Yeah. And, and I was fortunate that the first few people that I had to tell I was met with love yeah, and so? I wasn't rejected. And that was super helpful, but I completely understand how someone would feel if they were rejected because it's a tough, a tough deal to have to share yeah. with someone. And so the more we can just take this toughness out of this whole equation and just, yep. you know, I, I've had several things now that that I've been doing to to try to help get more information out about herpes. I've, I've got a herpes handbook cool. um, where I talk about some of my even more vulnerable stories about it to help people but also to provide provide resources Um, but I talked to another gentleman and we had a podcast together and 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 he's like have the sex talk this isn't a herpes talk so I'm going to give him credit for that but I really appreciated how he framed it you know it doesn't have to be herpes it's like you want to know about someone's sexual history
0: 100% not
1: just herpes it doesn't have to like you don't have to hone in on this one topic yep you want to know and and that's if you don't feel comfortable enough to share about herpes and your sexual history why would you feel comfortable enough to share your soul yes. you know your most intimate self with someone else or your body and so i think we just have to reframe how we Think about encountering sexual relations and granted, you and I are at a, probably a different age bracket than, sure. than, you know, a lot of the people in their 20s and 30s and, and 40s that are still really in this space of trying to identify who they are and, and where they are in life. But, but sex is the best place to figure <laughs> out who you are. <laughs> the best place to know your power, the best place to speak your truth, right? Because if yeah. you're going to go and enter that, like, why not go all in and have a real soul sharing encounter, which only comes oh. when both people are vulnerable?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And certainly I want to double tap on the love that you have the handbook, love that you're creating resources for people. Um yeah, I mean, certainly talk to your doctor if you, you know, need, have more questions. Feel free to ask questions. Do go and do some learning. One of the things that really helped me, and then we'll move on. I want to hear a lot more about your spiritual journey as well. Is that the intensity of herpes it diminishes over time? So, like the frequency of our outbreaks and stuff like that. So, like learning even some real and true information about the about it has helped me feel really a lot more at peace. I was able to knowledgeably explain to people that I did get into, you know, having the sex talk with. And I love that you frame it that way because that's absolutely how I approach it is that I want to know what's going on in your world. And I, I'll tell you what's going on in my world, you know, because that's what a real foundational, con- connected, open relationship looks like is that we're being vulnerable and we're being trusting and we're being truthful. And we're working through things together. So it's anyway, it's such a I'm just so grateful for your sharing, because, again, I feel deeply only because of my personal experience that and knowing other people outside of the public eye who I've been able to comfort that like this pain is very real for so many. And so I love the idea of lessening some of that by sharing our stories. But enough of that. I wanna hear unless you want to have something to say. I wanna talk about your spiritual stuff, but go ahead. Well,
1: one one other thing was coming to mind is that yeah. I think the reason why this is so important to be in community and connection is because oftentimes our OBGYNs who are the primary care doctor for the man, they don't have the time and they actually don't test you proactively. You have to ask for that test. So it's 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 not an easy sometimes it's not an easy conversation with a healthcare professional. So that's why I think, outside, yes, absolutely. Talk to your doctor. But sometimes people get resistance from their doctor too, because they, they don't have time to talk about the mental, emotional health aspects of herpes. Yep. Um, so just, you know, we all are in community on this. So thank you for, for having me on the show. And thank you for approaching this topic right up front, because
0: it's such yeah. a critical one, I think, right now for everyone to just release drama. <laughs> you know, it's funny that nobody and you, you know, the emails that I sent <laughs> out of an interview like this, I make it very clear that this space is we go there in this space. That's because we believe deeply that that is our highest service, our highest contribution. And I love how you shared a, more again in the book and just yourself about your spiritual journey. Like you've had a very varied spiritual healing path based on what I read in the book and stuff like that. And I would love to hear more about that journey. Certainly, we talk about psychedelics on this show a lot. But outside of psychedelics, what other healing modalities would you say have been the most powerful? And can you tell us some stories around that?
1: That's a great question, but a hard one to answer because each healing modality had different significance at different points on my awakening journey. So for example, in the early years, the awakening kiss at 30,000 feet, you wouldn't necessarily think that's a healing modality. But for (laughs) me, it was an awakening modality because it shocked me to go, wait, because the kiss wasn't with the man that I was married to at the time. And it was an unexpected kiss, but it was a kiss that woke me up to realize that, hey, maybe I'm not being truthful with myself. Maybe I'm trying to make something work that's not meant to go any further. So that catapulted me into really exploring soul contracts and understanding why we bring people into our lives and also having to break through this whole idea that, that divorce isn't an option. Right. Um, you know, I grew up with the idea that you get married and you stay married, and, and I really wanted that, and I wanted to grow old with the person that I committed to but I started to realize, ooh, there's people that come in for a very specific reason to get us to a certain point in our soul's evolution, and then we have to make a decision, are we going to just stay in this this relationship when the soul contract is over or are we going to go on and continue to grow? And so, even the idea of divorce in, you know, the the societal norms is viewed as bad or wrong and while I'm not saying that everyone should just ditch ship and you know and go and not not work through things what I'm saying is that when when your partner isn't willing to do their work and you're willing to do yours that's oftentimes the most obvious point where the sole contract is done so if they're willing to do their work and you're willing to do yours stay in it work through it because if you don't you're just going to get the same lessons with a new partner so I'm yep. not saying everybody should get divorced. I'm just saying that you know, deep inside we know when things aren't in alignment and we oftentimes dare I say lie to ourselves, not necessarily knowingly, but oftentimes knowingly because we get those hits, we get those this doesn't feel right, but what, what do we do? We shove it down. So when the awakening kiss came, I had to face a lot of a lot of things within myself and so yeah. back to the healing modalities as I went through these different experiences in my life, I, I, I got more interesting healing modalities. Maybe to say, um, one that pops <laughs> forward say, to, to, to share, say that more. was maybe my most u- <laughs> unique healing experience um, was the shaking ashram in yeah in Bali.
0: I'd been yeah, living please in tell Ubud, us about Bali, that. It's so and strange and interesting, but y- it makes sense, right? Animals do it, yeah, right? They shake the stress off. It's known yes. as an as a as a modality of releasing Absolutely. and processing stress. Yeah, go. Please say more.
1: Yeah, well, I thought I had done almost everything except become a breatharian because living in Ubud Bali, it's like like a healing mecca. It's like you know the Disneyland of all things spiritual, and. A friend of mine that I had met at the Ayurvedic clinic when I was doing a Panja cleanse had told me that she had just come from this shaking ashram. And I'm like, what do you mean you shake for, you know, hours a day, like six hours a day? She's like, yeah, you just shake. And I'm like, I just, I couldn't compute, honestly, at the at when she told me. And and she would come back to the island, every you know, like a couple of times a year, and she would stay for five to 10 days at this shaking ashram. And I'm like, oh my goodness, like there has to be something happening. She would share with me all the things that she was releasing. She had been an orphan. And so I really listened intently to her stories. And eventually I said, okay, I got to go try this out. Yeah. So a dear friend of mine happened to call. She was visiting from New York. And um, I said, well, I think I'm going to the Shaky Ashram, or I'm trying to decide. She said, I want to go. So it was like a shoo-in, like, yes, this is the time is right. Everything was in alignment. We get there. And it was really underwhelming as far as the the, the whole accommodations and all that and you're kind of like wait what are we doing and we got, went to the first shake and I was like looking around thinking this is a room filled with like crazy people and there has to be like a candid <laughs> camera or a Netflix series or something you know that's gonna be like the crazy things that people do to heal themselves right because your mind is there and your mind is like what are you doing yeah what are you doing what are you doing and I'm like I don't know what I'm doing and then you know the next thing I know I'm snorting tobacco and I'm like looking at my friend and we're what are we doing? Uh-huh. right? And so then you, you put this tobacco that's blessed by Ratu Bagus, who is the, the 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 guy at the shaky nashram. And you sing a mantra and you shake in whatever way your body moves. I mean, I, I think I wrote in the book, I felt like I probably look like Elaine on Seinfeld, yeah, you know, with her yeah, dance moves. Yes. You know, I was just, I'm just trying to get into a rhythm. But I have to be honest that the first time I was there, I was like, it was actually very difficult for me. Like my knees hurt, my yeah. legs hurt. I'm like, I do not get what these people are doing. And I was still in that resistance of of trying to do it myself, wow. you know, trying to shake myself. And the point is, is to let spirit flow through you, right? And to let Kundalini rise within you okay. through the shaking. So you're you're literally shaking at a cellular level, all these memories and thoughts and ideas about yourself and and traumas and you're you're releasing it and so the first time I went you know I left after five days and I said I I'm never coming back well I did go back I think three or four more times after that so so there was benefit to it and it, it's just an amazing experience because it's very energetic so if you're going to go there and just sit in your mind and be in resistance yeah you're probably not going to get a lot out of it right but you still will. if you're actually shaking, you're still gonna you're still gonna start moving the energy within you and it helps to raise your vibration when we release these lower vibrational thought constructs that are stuck in us at a cellular level. So yeah, so that was probably one of my weirdest ones for me. Um, yeah, because I just was like I thought I was like really spiritual and I had kind of done a lot of spiritual things, but that one took the cake at that point in my
0: life. Yeah, I'm curious about how you say, let spirit move through you. And why I'm going here is because I imagine people listening who are interested in spiritual growth and healing for themselves, that maybe they've tried some things, maybe they haven't, maybe they're just exploring this as a concept. Like what advice or what would you say to somebody who's sort of early on their spiritual growth path to invite them into more of their experience? I don't know if that makes sense, but it's more like how can we help someone who's sort of earlier on the path? What comes to mind to say, say yes. When someone
1: offers you a unique opportunity, you're like, I don't sing kirtan. I don't do this. I don't do that. Just say yes. Just go. Just try, right? Because we get so ingrained, especially as we get older, with the ideas of what is normal, not normal, right, wrong. Is that me? Is that my personality? And if you really want to know who you really are, you want to unravel all of those ideas about yourself. So say yes.
0: You can allow that. Ask
1: spirit to bring to you, you know, whether you believe in, in traditional prayer or you're an intention setter, or you're a journaler, show me. You know, the words show me are so important because a lot of times I find myself still to this day saying, I, no, how can I do this? How can I find this? No, show me, you know, work with me so that I can work with my higher self, not with my ego self, the Beth Bell character that thinks that she needs to do something to prove or to participate or to provide value. It's like the most value we can provide on planet Earth is when we show up and we know who we really are and we just shine the light and show the way. And it's Mm -hmm. such a basic concept that all of the sages and mystics have talked about. But it's, it's one of those things that it takes some time oftentimes to embody. Sometimes we break through and we have, you know, Buddha sat under a tree and had enlightenment. Other masters did something similar, but for most of us, it's a journey and a long one. And and it's a long one over lifetimes. You know, it's not even something that we wouldn't be here if we had completely achieved enlightenment. We would just be like, there's no reason to have a human experience. Why would I be here? So we're here to have all of these experiences. Sometimes they don't feel so great. Yeah. But they're all here for a really great purpose.
0: Yeah. Yes. Love that. So so love that. Saying yes. I feel that. Because that I often say it like yeah. right? um certainty is very seductive, as in yeah. it can feel really good to know for sure what's not for us. Right. And it's such an interesting barrier to our growth is that is that certainty about who we think we are who we know we are this is something that you mentioned in the book a number of times as well is this humility that life delivers us every time you say i i'm never gonna do that oh ha 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 watch this (laughs) yeah yeah I, I'm really careful now when I hear myself say
1: yeah. "never." I know that I'm probably just about to do it, so <laughs> I often retract it back from the universe. Wait, wait! No, I didn't say that. I didn't mean that.
0: Yeah, yeah, right, it right. It,
1: it, it is our resistance.
0: Yes. Well, and you. So here's another topic that I want to touch on in this talk: is you talk about intuitive risk taking because there's one thing to broadly commit to saying yes, and then there's Another thing, it's it's another thing to feel an intuitive pull towards something that scares us. And so I feel like there's something there in that concept of of intuitively taking risks. Like, what do you mean when you say that?
1: Well, intuitive risk taking is something that I've fine-tuned over the years. And I still, you know, as soon as we get an opportunity to practice that skill we get something bigger and it means that it's something that we can't necessarily give all the rational reasons to explain to someone else why we made that choice because it's a deep inner knowing and it's that place where we get stuck where at least I did growing in, growing up in the midwest of america where you take responsibility for your actions if it if it you know if it's successful it's your fault and if it fails it's your fault so I got embedded with, you know, really taking responsibility for every action and every decision that I make and how it impacts me and how it impacts everybody else. And there's a heaviness to that to try to make the right decision. And so I've really had to break through that and I still have to break through that. I just get bigger and bigger challenges of I feel this way about this and I'm going to do that. And other people go, and why? It doesn't make any sense. And those are like the really juicy, juicy bits in life. And, and I've come to this place now where I don't think that we can make a wrong decision. Okay. I think we just make another decision.
0: Okay. And so
1: we can, if we feel like, oh, I made that decision. I felt right about it. And now it doesn't feel right. Then make another decision. But instead, a lot of times we get stuck with, oh, I made a bad decision. And everybody around us will reflect, oh, how terrible and how stupid of a decision that was, as opposed to just like, oh, thanks. Learned something, got what I needed, next, right? And I don't mean yeah. that in a light way. I don't mean it in a way that you're hurting other people. I mean it in a way that you're in your heart, not your head. And that is the trick for all of us on the journey is to stay within. And a lot of times we've, we've encountered so much trauma or drama or programming that we don't know how to get into our hearts because our bodies have become numb, you know, and that's where like the shaking ashram was such a great, oh, duh, you know, like we really do need to get more in touch with our body and be here now. It's not just, it's the whole, it's the whole thing that we need to be here now, right in our bodies. And a funny story, I don't know why I'm sharing this, but I was. I went to the. I go to the beach now, and I, I run in the summer times, right? And I and I take these really old flip flops because I leave them at the lifeguard stand, so that if somebody steals them, like I don't care. I was having a <laughs> rough morning, and I'm walking down. I'm talking on the phone to a friend, and I'm like, you know, I just want Spirit to just show me a bit of grace, you know, just give me something. And in that moment, my phone call disconnected. My flip flop broke, fell down the <laughs> stairs, and I'm like, okay. Um, I guess that's the grace like what so I run on the beach and I'm like okay whatever let it go let it go I run on the beach I come back and I just I throw my flip-flops away like they needed to go they were old anyway and I walked home barefoot and it's you know it's like a 15 minute walk or so and what I realized is that because I didn't have shoes on I was 100% 100% grounded i felt Even, every rock and everything that was under my feet and then like thank you i just needed to come back into my body and be here now and so sometimes we take for granted feeling the earth beneath our feet which is a way for us to be here because our minds keep us busy and you know thinking about things and swirling things and and so it's sometimes just so simple to just really come back into our bodies and so yeah. that was my act of grace you know it didn't feel like like the grace I was I was expecting but it was perfect in the end because it brought me back down out of my mind into my body and to feel and then I felt just grateful for shoes you know I felt grateful for being able to feel the the ground and to to have that tactile yeah. sensation and just yeah so I, I don't know why I shared that but that's
0: what came forward well, you know, it, it's so funny because the opportunities to frame our lives in whatever frame we choose to frame it in, th- those opportunities are there all the time, right? Like if I, one of my main core spiritual tenets is that I believe deeply that everything is for me, that there's positive value in, in literally everything. And so, gosh, going back to, again, the herpes thing, which is been a very, very rigorous, lifelong, painful experience for me, really, like, that's like, t- that feels like a master class of really going, this is for me. So it's like, I can see now over the years, this the fortitude, the strength that I only was able to cultivate because of that experience. But it's it can go from a, a story as long and deep and rich and painful as that to something as micro as my flip-flop broke and i'm in a bad mood and i want to oh there's the earth oh there you are mother earth you know thank you for feeling reconnecting me with you you know like that i love that as a as a beautiful example juxtaposing really big big deep talks to hey i'm just living life and i'm just a human out here and the other thing i want to ask you about is and this is again, sort of a deeper, more expanded discussion. But you you talk about loneliness and heartbreak, which are another couple of experiences in our human experience that we can feel so obviously loneliness, so alone within. And so I would love for you to share any insights that you've learned or, you know, give people a sense for, what you've gone through in terms of heartbreak and, and what you've gained from your experiences as you grow through those heartbreaks and as you've navigated loneliness in the, in the times that you've experienced that. Yeah,
1: loneliness is a hot topic because it doesn't necessarily mean you're alone. It means that you have a, a feeling. And I think for me, if I'm gonna speak to it first, maybe from the romantic perspective, I really enjoyed the partnership that I had with my husband. I really enjoyed being married. I enjoyed the companionship. I enjoyed so many aspects of our life plan that we were building together. I really loved that. So when I left him, I trusted that whoever, whatever was going to happen was going to be in alignment, but I didn't ever think that I was going to actually be physically alone, not in a romantic relationship. So since leaving my husband in 2005, I've certainly had relationships but I haven't been married I haven't you know lived with someone and had a a, yeah that that whole relationship in the traditional sense and so that created a real sense of loneliness but also because I felt like I have so much love and light and self-love to share with someone else like how is it possible that I'm not attracting someone because I feel like I've done the work so I would attract these beautiful souls that would come in And then I'd have to let them go or they'd let me go or whatever it was. But what I started to realize and I had to really get clear on is that I think for me, and I'm not saying this is for everyone, but I really think that there was a lot of karma and a lot of previous lives that I was was going back through with a lot of individuals because I had deep soul connections with these people. But we would always come up against a rub where they didn't want to do their work and I wanted to do my work in the relationship for myself and I was always just maybe a little bit too deep too out there too fairy too (laughs) right too spiritual um when they were just like I don't want to deal with that trauma I'd rather have a drink right and so there was always this point where I was like ah and And then I got to a point where I realized, okay, loneliness for everyone and the core wound for everyone is separation from source. So while I love myself, I feel really grounded in who I am and what I have to share with someone else. For me in this lifetime, spirit was pushing me to go deeper into my connection of the Core abandonment wound of separation from Source, and to really embody this in a different way. So everyone's journey is different. Everyone's come in in a lifetime to to do different things. So um, yeah, but for me, I realized that that is the core of loneliness for everyone is when you are not connected with Source, and and unfortunately, well, fortunately, we're all connected to Source. We actually never lose the connection. But unfortunately, our minds tell us something otherwise, and we start believing that narrative that we're separate and that we're alone. And that's where spirits pushing, pushing isn't the right word, gently <laughs> guiding me to continue to to really heal that separation wound so that, you know, we are, everything is within that. Fr- that's so frustrating, I think, to to hear that phrase. When, right. When you're like, I want to understand it. And then when you really get it and you're like, everything really is within, then you really don't need anything else. Yes, we're still in communion with others. And yes, we still, you know, we don't have to move out into the woods and be by ourselves <laughs> and like just be in wholeness. We, we should be in wholeness here every day walking around. Right. That's like why all the monks in the ashram bless them for, for doing the work there. But, you know, come out come out to to the to the real world here and and shine the light and show the way and bring that peace that that really transcends the mind and and the peace that passes all understanding that keeps our hearts and minds open. Yeah. So that's that's where I would go with the loneliness thing. It's a big topic. Oh, it's a tough one. It's love it's it. like you got you really got to be a brave soldier to go in there and and dig totally. deep on your own your own your own loneliness because everyone oh, totally. is having it i think covid helped us push
0: through into a different dimension with that as well yeah totally i love that you frame it as the core a core wound of of separation feeling separate from source because uh for me for a long time it manifested in anxious attachment mostly primarily in my love relationships but also in friendships and just any deeper, closer attachment, I would feel anxiety of being left or being separate from from those people. And uh, it's interesting that I, I don't know if it's exactly the date, but a year ago, around now, I had my most profound ayahuasca experience of my life, where I feel genuinely, and I've shared about this at length on other episodes, so I won't go there today, but I feel like I really pulled the deepest, deepest root of that sort of deeper anxious attachment out and uh, and had that first real and true mind-blowing experience connected to source and like feeling that actually heal in my body. Part of that ceremony, that three-day was also a- an interesting shaking experience, just like a very broad ranging particular three-day experience with that particular medicine. But love that you're pointing it back to everybody has this core wound as this. So to look for that as a place to heal, where do I feel like I need something outside of myself? And what can I do to to look at that more closely and see what it is that I feel like I'm lacking? So I just love that. And on that note, I would love to hear more about your psychedelic experiences because we have, we definitely like to share about that here. And I know you shared about an experience with San Pedro in the book, but if is what of your psychedelic experience would you like to share about? We would love to hear it.
1: Yeah, I I love talking about the psychedelic experiences because I really didn't think that I would ever do psychedelics. But I also want to back up just to say that. I feel super blessed that I had built a spiritual toolbox with all the different modalities that I had partaken in prior to that because I understood without any medications or medicines or um, you know spiritual medicines, that there's other dimensions, that there's starseed families, that there's you know near-death experiences that we can have that, that take us to the light and take us home. I'd had a lot of these experiences, so I had a a bit of a, a grounding in it. And so when I went to do psychedelics, um, and I and I and I shot myself out there, and I'll explain what I mean by that. And I know your your listeners probably have a good idea of what that is, but I knew how to 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 u- utilize the bridge back here because we can learn a lot of incredible knowledge and insights when we utilize something like psychedelic spiritual medicines. But oftentimes the challenge is people don't know how to integrate it into their everyday life here, especially when they're with other people who are not doing the journeys and not understanding what it is that they're experiencing. And so there becomes a real disconnect. And what I, what I see happen sometimes is that when you don't have that strong bridge, then you want to keep shooting yourself out there to get the lessons But then I feel like we're just doing drugs. And I know that sounds like a judgment, but the whole point is for everyone to understand that you are the medicine. Everything is still within. And so while the psychedelics give us the North Star, the point to hit, we still have to do the work here because it's still the mind that we have in this earthly dimension, which moves really slow and is really frustrating. And sometimes feels like you're going through molasses, but you still have to step through the molasses so that you can retrain your mind to work here with you in this dimension, not yes. out there in the astral realm. So yes, I just like to say that up front that building the spiritual toolbox is still the most important thing. Having all the life experiences here in this dimension with all the people, players, and characters you called in is your number one. And psychedelics are the tools to help you see things a little bit differently in the subconscious mind, the trauma that you've shoved down. And then you come back and you work through it. So you want to work through it before you go do another journey because it's sort of like if you go to your therapist and and she gives you all this, he or she gives you all this great advice, and then you go back and you don't do any of the advice and you come back to the next session of therapy. And and you bring up the same problem. And she says, well, did you implement the tools that we talked about? And you say, no. Well, then you're not participating. So you still have to participate here. Yeah. So so that was a gift I I felt for me stepping into psychedelics that I had that foundation. So when I did San Pedro for the first time and I was sitting on, you know, the Galactic Council, that wasn't weird. You know, it was unexpected, but but like, I kind of like, oh, and, and when I shook for, I don't even know how long, an hour on the ground in like what probably looked very violent, it was incredibly peaceful. And it Mm. took me right, I was like, oh, now I get what Raju Bagus was trying to get us to do. Release, let go, right? It's like all these concepts that we say, oh, let go. It's like, love of god could i do. just show me how i get it oh i love i get it
0: fuck yeah it's like totally understandable i, I can right. validate that re- resistance all day long for sure yes all these concepts that sound
1: so good but you're like but how and so for me <laughs> right. san pedro was a great stepping stone in to how to let go oh shake it off oh right duh okay got that just didn't practice it right So I don't I do have a shaking practice every day. I probably should now that I'm talking about it. It makes me think, yeah, well, that would be a lot easier, wouldn't it? Um, But we incorporate all these things whenever we feel that it's necessary for us, right? So we can bring through all these things from psychedelics. I went from San Pedro, um, which was just a a beautiful, beautiful experience for me, um, and stepped right into Bufo which I was hey. not expecting either and I, I know you know from my book that there's a little a lot of people go what but there's a little a little toad here on the front of the book oh. for the people who are just listening if you see the cover there's a little toad jumping through the, oh. the psychedelic the why on the psychedelics and so um the toad is 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 an amazing you know the, the I mean like look I was just like are you kidding me I am smoking the toad the crystallized Venom off of a toad's back, like it couldn't get any crazier. But Crazy. it was the most beautiful experience I could have ever had. The universe, my higher self, aligned it perfectly. If I, I, I actually hadn't signed up to do it, I went to hold space for a friend. It happened that that was the last person they, they said, "Are you interested?" It gave me the opportunity to just feel into the energy of the space, the server the 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 place itself which is so important that you have vetted who you're sitting with in medicine and i felt comfortable and i felt into my heart and i was like this is it and i did i did toad that day and and it was my complete ego dissolved my it was like someone poured acid all over my body and my mind and i went into complete oneness finally understood what it meant and then came back to all the dimensions from there and and just feel incredibly grateful for that experience and for the fact that spirit just aligned that for me. Because I think my mind would have kicked in and said, oh, no, we're going to make sure she doesn't get there. And there I was. Right.
0: Oh, my goodness. Every time I hear about Bufo or is I or 5-MEO-DMT, which is in my understanding, one of the, if not the most intense and rapid and immediate psychedelic experiences a person can experience, I I feel still very afraid. I've never done it. I feel at some point Mm. it will be a part of my path. And oh my goodness, like even just now talking to you about it, hearing about it, I I get my body activates in like that fear, that fear resistance response. It's fascinating. And it's there's a high, high level of respect. And of course, for everyone listening, we always display when we're talking about psychedelic medicines, when we're talking about other substances, we are sharing for informational purposes only. This is we are not doctors. We are not advising you do anything. We're not advising you do anything illegal. We are simply sharing about our experiences that in hopes that it might motivate you to do more of your own learning and research for yourself if you are called in these directions. But yeah, thank you for sharing that because whew, I don't even know what to say about Bufo. Like, Well, one of the things that, that
1: I kind of have not necessarily the exact reaction to but what came forward when you were talking about your just a little resistance to the buffo is go to the dark room for for 7 days you know if there's something about that 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 aspect of of smoking cuz you do pass out like immediately um wow. which was also bizarre to me like why would I go do something and then pass out but but <laughs> you pass out because you're not here in your conscious mind you're you're able to yeah. actually access you know, your star seed, all the way to oneness, all the way to the Godhead. And I'm not saying it happens for everyone. It it doesn't. Yeah, Um, It just depends upon where you are in your journey and only you and your soul know where it's going to go. But I also, to your other points, it's always so important to really feel into yourself. And is this right for me? So I'm glad that you're not just jumping to do it until nope. you feel really called and ready, and sometimes it's things like this that activate, right? Yeah. If you're ready, like you'll know because you'll have this conversation, you'll feel activated. Then you you talk to somebody else, and they say, "Oh, I have this very special shaman." Not that they need to be special, but you know, a very very yeah. vetted, trusted person, trained shaman that's coming to serve. And then and you'll be like, "Oh my gosh, okay, I'm ready now." So yeah. I, the medicine always seems to find me. I've never gone out to seek the medicine. Yeah. In fact, um, if if we have time to talk about one more psychedelic thing, I there's sure, something please. else that I could share that is kind of Absolutely. interesting.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So go for it.
1: I kind of had that same feeling. Thank you about ayahuasca, and I was like, yeah. yeah, I don't know if I'm ready for ayahuasca, even though I'd done bufo. <laughs> and so, <laughs> I I was like just sitting with this idea. And one night I had a dream and the dream was I was back in my corporate life. I was on stage speaking to a group of people and there was a gentleman next to me who had very dark skin tone. He was speaking with me. I don't remember what we were speaking about, but afterwards I walked up to him and I looked him in the eyes and I said, I just think we need to work together. And he looked at me and he did a transmission that I will never forget. And he looked at me and he said, ayahuasca is the way. And I was like oh my gosh, I think I just got <laughs> called by the grandmother to sit. And so I woke up and I was just like shook in a good way, you know, like, wow, yeah, know. that was so amazing that that I just got told that like it's time. But then uh. I didn't actually do ayahuasca for probably a year. I had a lot of people that came to me and offered, you know, like, oh, my friend, oh, I went here, I went here. And I felt into each one of them. And I felt into it and I would get a clear yes or a clear no. And I got clear no's all the way up until uh, a particular situation happened. And I was like, yes, I feel yes, but let me talk to the shaman, right? So I I vet the shamans. I talk to them. I feel into the vibration of their voice. I want to know what are your intentions doing ceremony. And so Mm -hmm. I got on the phone with this gentleman and was chatting and he asked me what my intentions were. and and, you know, how I came to decide that I wanted to do ayahuasca. And so I told him that story. Damn. And he said, oh, he said, I think that was, and I apologize, I cannot remember the guy's name. But the guy that that sort of discovered it, um, he he's like, how you're describing him kind of sounds like it could be him. So he sent me a picture of him. And I was like, yeah, that was him, but uh, in a business suit on a stage, you know, which was a little uh, bit of a switch. And so, yeah, it's just interesting how that happens and how you how you get called. And so I waited until the 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 opportunity that was curated for me came about, not just because my friends went, because I do think that one of the things yeah, that's so important for people to know, and I'm sure you've talked about a lot, is there's a lot that happens when you open your aura and your yes, soul yeah. in these other fields. And if you have mm-hmm. no idea what you're doing, you can bring back entities, you can have you can have this negative backlash, which is if you've if by chance you've seen a negative ayahuasca video someone who's really upset about it it's still a great opportunity for them they're just not viewing the opportunity that's at at, in front of them right it is also because they did not probably well i'm not making this claim to to any particular person or video but there's there's a space holding that has to happen and so if you're not really with someone where you're safe the space is safe that it's a sacred space that there's not funny business that there's not people who want to yeah, manipulate you and, and all of those things, then you really want to do the due diligence before the ceremony to make sure. And if you even get to a ceremony and you've met that shaman for the first time and you don't feel right, something that you can't explain, it is totally fine to walk away. I mean, yes, the money does come in and tries to scare you out of it. So there is a, a kind of a balance of that discernment. But if you really innately know within yourself that something's off, trust it.
0: Definitely trust it. Oh, I couldn't agree more. It's funny, the call of the medicine, I've felt it every single time. I've felt it every single time, the medicine. I've known about it. My best friend told me about it for multiple years, heard tons of stories. When it was time, the medicine called to me, both with psilocybin and with ayahuasca. And most recently, I I just met some new people in my area who are combo practitioners. And I've never been called to combo, but I felt the call the other day. So I haven't done it yet, but I feel that hearing combo will be my next experience. I, unless something happens that changes that, but yeah. Okay. So we're running out of time. And the last thing that I want to do, if you have time, is we run? I run people through a series of the same questions, just sort of in alignment with our values here at Trust the Journey, and see what stories emerge. So, okay, okay. So the Love first, it. yeah, the first thing is in the lane of being honest and vulnerable, which you've absolutely been this whole entire show. But what is something that has humbled you recently? Um,
1: my my disconnect with. Money. Um, My disconnect with how money runs in the system and the vibrational aspect of it and realizing that I I was off the mark with how I was viewing how I was viewing it, which is probably a whole nother a whole nother podcast in and of itself. Right. Yeah. So that it it it's it's humbled me to to a different place of of yeah, how we view it in the social constructs and the the meaning we give behind it knowing for many years that it's just energy um no, no. but seeing it maybe from a perspective of of all light workers because i find it disappointing that there's so many people with incredible gifts and that they're not receiving the abundance financially not because they need it or they need to buy a new car or whatever but right. that, that um it yeah, there's, there's a, there's, there's something happening right now that is really critical to humanity yeah. around money. And I, I love to encourage everyone to make as, if you're a light worker, a way an alchemist or whatever, make as much money as you possibly can because yep. it's fun. And yeah. because what you do with it will have so much more of an impact. If we were all Totally. I, I don't mean this as a as an as an idol, but if we were all at Jeff Bezos and I'm not saying we should be and I'm I'm not I'm not at all. Yeah. But if we had the money that Jeff Bezos does, what we would do for the the planet with the power of money because of the belief in the social constructs. Yep. So so there's like a humbling factor there for me that I feel like I've been I missed a few bits um over the years. Or of other. how I was running my life energetically in in the whole thing of money. So
0: sorry that might be too yeah. long. Are these supposed to be quick no. answers? No, no, that's fine. It's totally okay. fine. I okay. mean there's we're there's no timeline. As long as you are have time, we can finish up with the questions. But yeah, I think that's great. Okay. I love that point because you have a lot of classic success in your life and you know, I've shared before on the show one of how I feel about money is that I I know because I'm a good person doing good in the world, the world is better when I have money. So I, I come from that place and I I've learned over the years how to negotiate, how to really advocate for myself financially. And it's it's taken time because yeah, we have a lot of a lot of ideas and, and things to unpack. You have to really look at your relationship with money. So I echo what you just shared, Beth, to invite people into that inquiry so that they can Determine what locks might be there for them, especially if you're out there doing good in the world and, and helping people heal. And help. So, okay, next question is on the other side of the house. It's simple joy, love. What is something that you are loving right now or that brings you simple joy? My dog. Yay, I absolutely dog. adore my dog. Yes. And I have
1: to say that when I when I got her in Bali... Um, I was I was busy setting up my shop and my friend called and said I've got this adorable puppy it's been you know beat up it's been hit on a, on the road by a motorbike or a car or something you need you need to be its mommy and I was like I don't need to be anybody's mommy right now <laughs> but I went down I looked at her super old soul and I was just like ah oh, she's mine and so oh, wow. and to make it a shorter story when I took her home I lived in a a, a villa in the rice field and there was no boundaries. I tried to keep her in the garden, but it wasn't going to work. And I was honestly, I was scared she was going to leave me. And I had to reflect on how much I was worried about losing love. Like I found myself like not wanting to love her because I was scared that she was going to run away from the villa. She was going to die, like whatever it was. And I, cause I knew I had this, um, this fear of attachment with her. And so now I've I've come to a totally different place in my life over the last many years. And, and I just absolutely adore her in every moment. And knowing that there's a point where she's not going to be with me, I yeah. think she'll probably leave before I do. And so that kind of goes back to like loving unconditionally and just really letting my heart flow for her, um, knowing that At some point, there will be a loss and a grief that comes with it. But yeah, I just I just absolutely adore her more than I've ever
0: loved her before. She's so wonderful. Um, I love that so much. It's really incredible how much we love our pets. I got my my cat. Her name is Matil. She is my most favorite wonderful being. And same thing, I am like I already know that when it's her time, I will be absolutely un like inconsolable for a while. <laughs> but I don't think in any way that I would ever train loving her and having her in my life, even though that pain is going to be so acute. It's like I'm up for it because I'm not afraid of feeling deeply. I'm, I'm, I can feel into the deep parts of grief and love and it makes living the love that I have now in my present life. And again, this goes to people as well, but it's just so, so interestingly apparent pets but anyway okay what's something that you've learned recently or something that you want to learn um
1: well i without conscious thought actually the word singing came to mind and which no. i find interesting because i've never thought that i wanted to sing um but maybe there's something about using my voice in, a, in, a, in a different way in a more in a more free-flowing way because i'm you know, I, I speak and I, I, I talk and I and I do all those things, but maybe oh. the idea of singing, you know, brings a flow. Oh, and if you were at the closing ceremony at Psychedelic Science, Snow yes. Raven came on, and that woman—that's what comes to mind now—is moving the energy through her body. She she sings, but it's like she makes noises. Did you see her? I she didn't had see her. she had this mouthpiece that she that she would use but other than that she had no intru- instruments she was obviously mic'd because it was a big room but yep. when she sang she moved the energy of the room in a way that it was it was like shamanic it was Ugh. incredible it wasn't like a Celine Dion like where you feel like oh you know it was right, like a, right, right. whoa like Spirit just connected all of us in this room right now. So I don't know. I'm not suggesting I'm, I want to be like her because that that's, that's <laughs> yeah, wow. But there, there's probably something in the moving of the energy through the body, through voice. So yeah, let's see. I like Who knows? that. Geez, what am I going to attract? I walk, yeah. walk out of here and I'll get something that
0: comes to me. It's so funny on the the Psychedelics Today morning show. Um, gosh, I'm forgetting her name. But uh, one other uh, was a therapist. She's She was hilarious, also a comedian. But uh, she talked about doing musical couples therapy, which I thought was just the most hilarious thing. And I told my partner, I'm like, dude, we got to do musical couples therapy. <laughs> and he's like, do we, we need to do yeah. couples therapy? <laughs> it was just so funny. Um, and speaking of funny, that is the next thing is like, what was the last thing or something that really made you belly laugh, if you can remember? Oh, gosh, it was just
1: not last night, the night before. What was it? Um, I was driving in the car with uh, my dear friend Axel, who I call my spiritual healer. We were coming back. Spirit, give me what it was we laughed so hard about. I laughed so hard. He he said something, and I was just like, oh, my gosh, how is that possible that that's so funny? And when I did, you know, you just you feel the energy, right? You feel yes. the contractions of your body in a way that 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 just release, release oh. so much energy. Um, Energy that we don't know that we hold in, but I can't think of what it was that he said. Well, okay, yeah, it well, I'll tell even you that matter. I know he was talking about South Park. Okay. Yeah, it doesn't. He was talking about <laughs> South Park, and South Park has never been, never been something that I'm interested in. Like it just, <laughs> yeah. it just never resonated. I guess I didn't have a, a good enough sense of humor, but he loves it, and I think that's so funny because you don't think of like a spiritual healer and South Park as like combination, but. Yeah, so there must have been something about about that that you know we were just talking about human nature and just how we all do silly things and yeah and laugh at ourselves cos- right. The I'm not, good at, I'm not good at laughing at myself, but I need to be. Oh God, mm-hmm. I'm great at For I'm sure. great at
0: laughing at myself. Well, Let's hang out some more because I feel like I find a great deal of comedy in my own existence, which is I think a crucial skill along the path of like just enjoying life and feeling free. For me, it has been anyway. I was just talking to a friend yesterday about who was having just kind of a hard day, feeling depressed. And she knew that if she stayed in her house, she could just stay and feel depressed and feel the feelings. And that's fine too. Uh, But she decided to go out to dinner with a friend that she knew and they ended up freaking laughing all night at the dinner. And it's just, it's so healing when you have those experiences too. So yeah. I love that Axel is out for you. All right. Last question. Yeah. <laughs> last one. Now, so what, if you could point to one thing that, like, saves humanity, <laughs> and I don't, just I'm like going, like, quote, unquote, saves humanity. Like, it doesn't have to be some big thing. It could be something small, but like, what's something that you believe has the potential to influence the future of humanity in a positive way or simply improve the day-to-day life experience of yourself? Wake up. And choose to wake up.
1: Choose to be here in this journey. Stop avoiding it. Stop. Stop deflecting it. Wake up. Everything, as you said earlier, is here for you designed by you. And it's designed in a way that no one else can can change it. And it's just the path home.
0: And we're all walking each other there together. Beth, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for your brave, honest sharing. I really and truly believe deeply that that is our highest service. And so I just am so grateful that you have shared as much as you have, that we got to sit next to each other, that the universe brought us together, that you're now here today sharing your stories with our audience and in my view, making their lives better as well. So I just so, so appreciate you. Have so much gratitude for your, for your presence here. And before we close, please tell us if you have any final thoughts and definitely how people can connect with you and how people can support you. Yeah, BethBell.me
1: is the website. And on the website, you'll also, you know, you can find Angel's Herpes and Psychedelics, but I also have an Awakening and Healing Handbook. I've recently put out a Psychedelics Resource Guide. The Herpes Handbook is soon to be out. Uh, So there's lots of tools. There's flower meditation. So lots of different things that if you're interested YouTube. I've uh, started a channel and a show, Unravel Your Mind. I do a show on Sundays at 11, 11 a.m. Pacific time, and so that's an opportunity to ask questions, submit them in advance if you want, um, join live. It's it's fun. Uh, yeah. So that those would be the ways to connect with me. Uh, I very much look forward to connecting with others because, as I said, and you said, you know, it's all about community and and doing this journey together and remembering that only love
0: is real right on sister on that note we can close everybody listening thank you as always for being here if you got value from this show definitely share it with somebody you know if you know somebody who would benefit from hearing what we talked about today please share it with them share it with them privately share publicly obviously do the five-star reviews and all those things but but really we appreciate you being here and onward from here